Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions, and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrooks.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello, you stay indoors superstars. This is Sam Matterface and welcome to the Game Day podcast from Talk Sport, looking at all the big important stories from the world of football and providing you with a few quirky undertakings to keep you entertained throughout the lockdown layoff. If you've just skipped on from Gary Lineker's upfront documentary, stick with us. He was great, wasn't he? But we do have Newcastle United's Argentine defender Federico Fernandez on the show today, talking about following in this man's footsteps. We haven't been able to control the play in midfield the way that Maradona has been able to do. And he's hurting England again here. It's a brilliant run. It's one of the world's great goals. And there's no doubt about that one. He also gets stuck into Lionel Messi and life at Newcastle. Plus the Brighton and Australian goalkeeper Matt Ryan who gets a pep talk from a former tennis world number one. Also this week, League 1 and 2 in England could be finished in the same way as Scotland. Plans to form a super Sunday of epic sport to look forward to, but don't get excited just yet. It's going to be in two years' time. Ian Danter plays Rafa Benitez. Fact! In managerial meltdowns, Perry Groves enters commentary confinement. All on the Saddle Saw Zoomed Out Game Day podcast from TalkSport. This is Game Day. Hello to Talk Sports. Alex Crook is with me, Sam Matterface, as we aim to bring you all the week's top stories in the football context in one quick hit. We also have got Billy Sharp at the end of the programme talking about the dynamic of the Sheffield United dressing room. Crook, did you hear the Lineker documentary? I did. He was fantastic, wasn't he? Um, what, what a great insight into the life of one of the greatest English goalscorers that we've ever seen. Uh, I thought he was very funny looking back on his own career and, and able to take the mickey out of himself and maybe how he's viewed now by the modern generation. But he was a fantastic player, great talker, well, well worth a listen. Yeah, he was he was brilliant and he was so candid. I love that he said that for anyone under 35, he was basically just the crisp bloke. Um, <laughs> uh, but that bit about the feeling, the rush of scoring a goal um, was one he said he, he hasn't been able to replicate in post-football life. Even those of us who are amateurs know what he means. I mean, going to five a side or, or playing down the park, the feeling of scoring a goal just is, is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, he did once say that it was better than sex. I mean, is that the sort of category that you would put it in? 
<laughs> well, do you remember you and I once played in a charity game? I wondered where you were going then. <laughs> <laughs> but I did score a couple of goals, if you remember. And yeah, it was it was a great feeling to score in a proper net in front of a you know proper stand, supporters and floodlights. That's the nearest I'll ever get to being Gary Lineker, but I loved it. Uh, weren't you playing at right back that day and you just kept <laughs> bombing on out of position? Supposedly, but I was I was always going to get my moment of glory. Yeah, and didn't you run down the touchline and go over to your mum and dad who were watching? <laughs> I did. <laughs> so sad. He was 36 at the time. Um, there are more upfront documentaries in the pipeline. Uh, Andy Cole, Dimitar Perbatov, very soon to follow. So stick around and you'll hear some of those. You'll also see them pop into this feed. If you hit subscribe right now and you'll get a notification every time one drops. Alternatively, Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, Talk Sport. Right, let's get to the top stories. Arsenal have negotiated a 12.5% pay cut with Mikel Arteta and their coaching staff until 2021 with incentives to get it back by qualifying for the Champions League. But not all the players have agreed to it. League One and League Two chairmen have started to come round to the idea that their league should be settled by a points-per-game method they raise the possibility of a salary cap in the future. Accrington midfielder Sam Finley has been banned for eight matches by the Football Association for using abusive language towards former Ireland international Paul McShane. His words included a reference to McShane's nationality. German state governors have given the go-ahead for the Bundesliga to restart in just three weeks' time. The final decision, though, will rest with the health authorities. FC Midtjylland are planning to screen their live games in the future to huge drive-in cinemas so that fans can sit socially distanced in their cars and watch the games and listen to the commentary and attempt to recreate some sort of stadium experience. And the Premier League's biggest overseas broadcast partner, Be In Sports, has written to 19 clubs and the league CEO asking them to reject the takeover of Newcastle United. They allege that Saudi Arabia has been the driving force behind Premier League piracy in the Middle East and North Africa. North London has been a hotbed of news again. I see Serge Aurier and Musa Sissoko are now in the eye of the storm for training in a park. I mean, it's not as if the guidance isn't clear. I mean, all the government keeps saying is stay at home, protect the NHS, save lives. I just don't understand why, one, you would think that it was a good idea to do it. Two, why would you then, if you were breaking the rules, film yourself and put it on Instagram? I don't know if it's stupidity or arrogance. I would probably suggest it's a mixture of the two, but Tottenham really need to get a hold of this and and show some collective responsibility because once is foolish, twice is just brainless. Um, a lot has been made of the Arsenal pay cut situation. Meza Ertzel's in the dock because Meza Ertzel's always in the dock. But um, shall we remind ourselves, first of all, what's been done in the past and why he might just be checking the facts of what happens to any money that is cut from the wages and making sure that it doesn't just slip into the coffers of Stan Kroenke. Um, this is a guy who's paid for a 1,000 operations for children. He's fed 100,000 homeless people in Turkey and Syria. He donated his World Cup bonus to help sick children in Brazil. Uh, and at his wedding, he didn't have gifts. Instead, he paid for mouth operations for kids. You may not like his politics. You might not like some of the company that he keeps. However, I think it's pretty clear he has a social conscience. Um, and I think that it's quite interesting that today we woke up to a story where Arsenal are being accused of pressurising players into taking pay cuts. 
my first question here was, why are Arsenal having so many financial issues? How badly have these finances been run for so long that they need to make these drastic cuts so quickly? I thought they'd paid off their stadium. They've been there for 14 years. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's unfathomable, really, how so many big clubs are already feeling the pinch when you think it's only been, what, five weeks since the last game was played. So Arsenal have probably lost two home matches in that time. Premier League clubs shouldn't rely on gate receipts now, not with the amount of television money that's in the game. So I do think it's very alarming for Arsenal supporters. But just to go back to the, the Mesut Ozil point, I was on Sports Breakfast with Ali McCoist on Tuesday and he was in agreement with me. The biggest issue here is not so much that Mesut Ozil has rejected the pay cut, it's that that information has made its way into the press because the only way it could have done so is that it's been put there either by a disgruntled Arsenal employee or a teammate. And that's a big problem for Arsenal if leaks like that are coming out of the dressing room. Or someone in the club hierarchy. Yeah, but either way, it doesn't look great, does it? It doesn't show unity. Scary. Um, and, and, the, and the fact that Ozil is the only one of the three players who's been named as well shows that they're trying to make him a scapegoat and, and really trying to isolate him. Mm. Uh, we will talk about Newcastle United after our interview with Federico Fernandez on the latest uh, information regarding the takeover as well. Um, anyone else think that German football's about to become amazingly popular? In about three weeks' time, the Dutch have said no pro football until September the 1st, but the Germans may be playing in three weeks. If that happens, I imagine we will all be scrambling for a feed. Well, this is one for the hipsters, isn't it? Those people who've aligned themselves uh, to the Bundesliga for the last few years, people like our TalkSport colleague Kevin Hatchard, uh, all of a sudden, uh, what goes on in Germany is going to take centre stage, isn't it? I I mean, listen, I I will just be delighted to get some competitive football back on TV and if, it, if it's the Bundesliga then so be it. I've done some Bundesliga games for TalkSport 2 in the past and I've got to say it's an exciting league. It's not the best for defensive purists but there are usually stacks of goals. Yeah, there's, there's no defending, is there? I mean, the defending is really bad in the German league in comparison to what we're used to seeing but ultimately it's great entertainment. I think we should pick a German team each, you know. I mean, I love I love Dortmund and Mönchengladbach. I've been to both. I also love Berlin, I think it's my favourite city in Europe. I think we should get invested just in case. Yeah, you'll accuse me of being a glory hunter here though because if I was to pick a German team, it would be Bayern Munich. Oh, you can't do that. You can't pick Bayern Munich. (laughs) Probably my other team would be Union Berlin. You mentioned Berlin there. I was on my nephew's stag deal. I was best man a few years ago. And we got really cheap tickets to go to uh, watch Union Berlin. It was one of their last games of the season. They actually secured promotion to the Bundesliga that day. The atmosphere was brilliant. They were playing the Pet Shop Boys over the loudspeakers. So maybe I'll go with them instead. Yeah, I I don't think you can go with Bayern Munich. Union Berlin you can have. I'll I'll give that up for you. Um, But um, I I want a German team. I found a website which sort of assesses your personality and aims to tell you which German team to support based on that. It says if you're a brash millennial who doesn't like to play by the rules and lives off your parents' money to survive, RB Leipzig may be the team for you. (laughs) It actually says that hipsters should choose Union Berlin, apparently. No glitz, no glamour. So I'm not actually sure that that's the sort of the right team for you. Um, You are more of a glory hunter. Um, Slackers should choose Hamburg because they don't do much and they've never been relegated. I thought this might be for you, but that's out of date because actually they have been relegated since that article was written, uh, which is a shame. Otherwise, you know, I think it would be a perfect fit for you. Uh, Borussia Dortmund I like. But I'm thinking of taking on Borussia Mönchengladbach because it's the club of Bertie Votes and Jupp Heynckes. You know, in the 70s, they were amazing. It's got Dennis Zachariah now, who I really like, Jan Summering goal. The kit's mint, white with green flashes. 
but then again, I'm sort of talking. I also like the idea of having a Berlin team. Maybe we should have like Union Berlin, you and Hertha Berlin, me, and we could be like massive rivals. I like that. Anyway, I need convincing. Um, and maybe if you're listening to this podcast and you're a German football expert or you're a fan of a German team and you think that we should support your team, uh, then get in touch with us at Sam Matterface on Twitter with your ideas. And But once I'm, I'm settled, there's no going back on this. I'm buying the shirt. I'm buying like kit. I'm, I'm, I'm watching every game, everything. I'm, I'm fully invested. Let's get to our first big interview of the week. Matt Ryan, the Brighton and Australia goalkeeper, sat down and spoke with Alex Kruger. I mean, this is social distancing going mad. He was, what, 10,000 miles away from you when he did it? Yeah, he was in isolation in a hotel room in Sydney, so he had to match up the time difference. I think in the end it was 7 o'clock in the evening his time and and 10 o'clock over here, so we we got round that. But yeah, he's a good lad, Matt Ryan. I've got to know him quite well since he came to Brighton. To be honest, I just thought he might be bored in his hotel and wanted someone to speak to, and uh, I was the best person available. Matty, uh, thanks very much for for joining us, first of all. I can see you are uh, still in isolation in your hotel in Australia. How are you finding that? Yeah, it hasn't been too bad. Uh, I think it's important that you obviously adopt something like this with a positive attitude and mentality. And uh, I've just been trying to do that and you know, keep productive and proactive and yeah, keep busy. Who are you missing the most of your Brighton teammates and, and for what reason? <laughs> yeah, I have to say, Aaron, yeah, obviously the relationship we got, um, both being Australian, growing up in the same area, going to school together. Uh, yeah, there's a nice understanding between the two of us. So I'd have to say him, but yeah, missing all of them, of course. And I remember when you first uh, arrived at Brighton and, and we spoke about your maybe unlikely friendship with, with Kim Kleisters, the, the Belgium tennis player, the former Grand Slam champion. Have, have you guys been in, in contact during this period? Yeah, we actually have. In the last couple of days, we've been sending a couple of WhatsApp, uh, recommending each other some... Uh, some TV series to watch, uh, wishing a happy Easter and, and those types of things and just catching up, seeing how things are going. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's always nice to stay in contact with her. And, yeah, she publicly announced her comeback recently as well, just before the virus, obviously, situation took away tennis at the minute and, and all sports. So, uh, yeah, it's always nice to, to stay in touch with her. You're by no means the first Australian goalkeeper to play in the Premier League. Obviously, there was the likes of Mark Bosnich and and Mark Schwarzer in particular who did really well, had fantastic careers. Are you in touch with either of those guys? Do you use them as, as mentors at all? Yeah, um, definitely. Um, Schwarzer was in touch just before I came back um, to, to Australia. He was doing, he's, he's working obviously in the media game these days and was doing a podcast. And funnily, funnily enough that you mentioned, you know, the two people you've mentioned, Kim and Bozza, and uh, Bozza, he called me, he's called me twice already since being back here in, in Sydney. Um, which, yeah, it was a, a nice surprise. It hasn't been something that we've sort of engaged in too much in calling each other uh, in the past. But since I, I got back here, he's called me twice and we've chatted on the phone and he's just offered his support in anything he needed. I thought he may be calling in order to do some media type of thing, but he was just there checking that I'm all right. And if I needed anything, he could drop something off because his offices aren't too far away from where I'm at at the hotel. So, uh yeah, nice bit of goalkeepers union there coming together and uh, looking after one another. How has it changed your life uh, being a Premier League player? You're back in Australia at the moment. Obviously, you're not coming into contact with uh, too many members of the public. But under normal circumstances, do you find yourself getting recognised a lot more back home? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, the English Premier League has always been the most watched league um, here in Australia, the most followed. And um, I just, I, yeah, I feel like you get, yeah, I'm more global or, or nationwide respect, I guess, from, I guess, playing at the pinnacle of the game and, you know, having the, the success I've had there with Brighton. And, you know, your life is just complemented in so many ways when you can obviously go there and do well. And um, definitely, yeah, being back here in, in the public, you getting recognised a little bit more and just people being more complimentary via social media and all those types of things. And, yeah, it just obviously adds to, I guess, the blessing, you know, that we call life and it makes it much more enjoyable when, I guess, you're hearing those things about yourself and seeing those things about yourself. And it always pleases me when, you know, I can give back, whether, you know, it's a conversation, a photo or a signature or something like that. Um, I always... I've always liked those types of things. I've always seen it as recognition to sort of get where, you know, to have, to be recognition to have where I've gotten to. And um, I always try to thank them for the support and that. So, uh, you know, life is great. I'm living my dream, playing at the pinnacle of the game and trying to do my best to contribute to Brighton and, and help us be as successful as we can. Wow, that's a bit of a, 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 a shift, isn't it? I mean, Kim Cloisters was giving him tips on TV shows and then he got so bored that he was willing to talk to you. That's, uh, I mean, that's, that's, some, that's some downturn. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how to respond to that. I've always fancied myself as a bit of a tennis superstar. I used to beat you a lot, didn't I, on the old grass courts in Southsea? Yeah, that's because you're massive and I'm tiny. Um, but um, I thought it was brilliant. I, I found this interview really interesting. I thought it was interesting that he, in order to go back and be with his family, he had to isolate for that long. And I, I don't think we sort of realised in our heads that, that that is the current process. And certainly hearing someone um, who's doing it and finding things to do quite difficult, I thought was quite fascinating. Also, sort of insight into who his connection's with, Mark Schwarzer, obviously someone that we know quite well, Mark Bosnich, both being over here, the sort of Australian contingent that have decamped to the Premier League. So it's interesting that they all keep together. Interesting that most of them are goalkeepers as well. Yeah, because you can have Brad Jones to that list as well. He was at Liverpool for a time, wasn't he? We do seem to have had an influx of Australian goalkeepers. Maybe those skills from Aussie rules football, uh, where they use the hands a lot, are sort of transferable to being a goalkeeper in football. I mean, maybe that's the reason why we've had so many goalkeepers that are Australian in the league. Although we've had Tim Cahill as well. He was just magnificent in the air. Okay, um, we've got Federico Fernandez on the way a little bit later. Plus, we've got commentary confinement coming up. Ah, but now in this time of limited contact with the managers and the press, we've asked our arch impersonator, Ian Danter, to remind us of some classic managerial meltdowns. This week, he's got uh, Rafa Benitez in his sights and he's had a go at the classic Keegan rant. Here's Jim White again. Hello, I'm Jim White and it's time for more managerial meltdowns. And if there's one guy who provoked more meltdowns than anyone else, it has to be Sir Alex Ferguson. Barely a manager around whom he hasn't wound up before now. Perhaps the classic example came in 1996 when Newcastle were neck and neck with Man United at the top. And Sir Alex suggested that Newcastle's upcoming opponents like Nottingham Forest might be a soft touch. Kevin Keegan, well he went ballistic, live on Sky Sports. I 
no, no. When you do that with footballers, like he said about Leeds, and when you do that about a man like Stuart Pearce, I've kept really quiet, but I'll tell you something, he went down in my estimation when he said that. We have not resorted to that, but I'll tell you, you can tell him now if you're watching it, we're still fighting for this title, and he's got to go to Middlesbrough and get something. And and, and I tell you, honestly, I will love it if we beat them. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I will love it if we beat them. Let's move on. Fully 13 years to 2009, and what most on Merseyside thought would be a run-of-the-mill Liverpool pre-match pressure ahead of a game against Stoke. But Rafa Benitez, stung by Alex's suggestions that Liverpool would choke, suddenly had a Neville Chamberlain moment and pulled out a piece of paper. So, okay, I want to talk about facts. Maybe they are nervous because we are at the top of the table. I want to be clear. I do not want to play mind games, okay? Too early, although they seem to want to start. But I've seen some facts. November 1st, they played Ul City. And Mr. Ferguson, manager, had two match touchline ban, okay? And £10,000 fine after confronting Magdin, the referee, for improper conduct. So, okay. Mr. Ferguson uh, organized the fixtures in his office and uh, sends it to us and everyone will know and cannot complain. That is simple, okay? Mr. Squalari needs to know, maybe to use the uh, zonal marking, okay, against the staff of United, so, okay, they're, they're always going man-to-man -man with the referees, especially at uh, half-time when they walk close to the referees, okay, and they are talking. I am talking about facts, okay, not my impression, so, there are things that everyone can see every single week, okay, so, yeah. I think he's really good. Uh, I, I love the Rafa. I love the Keegan rant. It's an iconic rant. Really good. But he did say he was going to do me this week, didn't he, Alex? Yeah, he did. I was looking forward to that. Yeah. Maybe you're just not Hold distinguishable Let, enough. Let's ask Let's ask Lucy, our producer. Lucy, I thought he was going to do, do me this week. You've got quite, um, what's the word? Bland voice. <laughs> An instinctive voice. <laughs> um, so I had a discussion with him and gave him some tips of what to do. So my main tip was to overpronunciate foreign players. Hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> You've been giving him tips on how to sound like me. <laughs> what do you mean yeah, overpronunciate <laughs> foreign players' names? What are you talking about? Cesar Aplicoeta or Kepa Arrida Balaga? Exactly. So um, <laughs> he is working on you, but uh, it's just going to take a week for him to, you know, really perfect it. Okay, well, is he going to do me at some point? Uh, I'm sure we can ask. <laughs> he wasn't as interested, though. No, not as distinctive. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Let's get to uh, Crook's interview with Federico Fernandez, the Newcastle United defender. This is really interesting, actually, because when you sort of sent it to me, first of all, I wasn't thinking wide enough. I was just thinking Newcastle, Newcastle, Newcastle because of the stories that are out at the moment. Um, and that is in there. But uh, th- there's a lot of chat about Messi and Maradona, too. Yeah, I thought I would go down that link because doing my research, there weren't too many interviews that he'd done in the past. So I thought this was a good opportunity, really, to speak to someone who's played for one of the biggest clubs in Italy, for someone who's been part of a squad that has reached the World Cup final and therefore played alongside Lionel Messi to to really dig a bit deeper and talk about those experiences. As you say, he does touch on Newcastle. I did think the comparison we're going to hear between Newcastle and the Napoli Ultras was very interesting. First of all, probably Napoli support the most crazy football. When you say I am Argentinian, he's an extra point. He obviously love it. What uh, Maradona done for for the club for me it was easy to to say that i am argentinian and uh, i can <laughs> be very friendly with other people as well you have Ezequiel uh, Lavesi, another great player um, for the club uh, yeah both when i arrived Lavesi was there so helped me a lot to to be uh, in the team and in, uh, in the city but yeah of course Maradona is something another level for Naples and on the subject of Argentinian legends you of course uh, have played with Lionel Messi for your national team uh, yeah. what is it like to play alongside him and is he a good friend of yours yeah very difficult to play again <laughs> um, yeah really nice guys uh, very quiet he shared a lot of time. I mean, in the dressing room, uh, have uh, a lot of good history with uh, why he all he have in the career came to Spain very young as well. Um, the problem with uh, his body and this kind of thing. And uh, yeah, it was great to 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 meet him and play for like almost three years in the national team. We had really positive time in terms of the qualification and the World Cup in Brazil and so that's helped to be a, a very positive group uh, we share a lot of things inside of course outside there yeah talk to us about the World Cup in, in 2014 because you were part of the Argentine squad that made it all the way to the final what was your experience of that tournament like no unbelievable uh, we played good football and the World Cup was, was tough as well. But overall, we really enjoyed the, the experience. Yeah, it was a very close final, wasn't it? Um, talk to us about joining Swansea City. That was obviously where you made your Premier League debut. They were a new club to the Premier League at the time. Was it an enjoyable experience to join their journey? Yeah, yeah of course. I was uh, in April with Rafa Benitez uh, uh, one season before um, the World Cup. And we're doing really well. I play a lot. We won the, the Italian Cup. And when the, Swansea was following me, they say, what are you thinking about Swansea? What are you thinking about Premier League? I really like. I say I really like. And my time in Swansea was great as well. Just have a, a couple of questions left. You mentioned about uh, the fans in Naples being football mad. That The same can be said of the Newcastle supporters. Yeah. How is your relationship with, with the Toon Army? Because it's such a passionate club, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. To be honest, um, 
when I came from the first time with Swansea, I was very surprised about the the size of the stadium, the stadium and how many fans. Because on TV, to 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 be honest, it's not really clear how big is the stadium. And it's great to be to be here as a footballer. I have a chance to represent this kind of, of club uh, is something very special. One thing we couldn't talk to him about too much, though, was the takeover. It hasn't gone through yet. As a result, we're not really allowed to stray into that territory. But an interesting story broke here on Wednesday when the Premier League's biggest overseas broadcast partner, B in Sports, wrote to 19 clubs in the league and the league CEO as well, Richard Masters, asking them to reject the takeover of the club um, by the uh, Saudi Arabia public uh, fund uh, they suggested that um, Saudi Arabia has been the driving force behind Premier League privacy in the Middle East and North Africa we haven't heard anything from Saudi Arabia to rebuff that but uh, clearly Saudi Arabia and Qatar engaged in a political dispute being sports is based in Qatar it, I mean it, it's banned pretty much everywhere else in the Middle East the signal's blocked I think and and a pirate channel has emerged be out sports um, which is illegal, but the accusation is yeah. The accusation is that Saudi Arabia are behind that, um, but now they're gaining a stake in the in the league. I mean, what did you think of that story? Difficult to have too informed an opinion, to be honest, because the first I heard about it was when I was going through the papers on Sports Breakfast. Um, I think what I will say is I would find it very unlikely that the other nineteen clubs are going to block this takeover. Um, I think it would set a dangerous precedent if in effect they were to block a takeover just because there's a dispute between one broadcast partner and a country, uh, entire country in this case. So I think it will go through. Uh, I think the human rights issues arguably are are probably more reason to stop it, but I think it's too far down the line now. Mike Ashley has already pocketed a £17 million deposit. He's going to keep that regardless of whether the takeover goes through or not. The paperwork is pretty much signed, sealed, and delivered. How many takeovers have the Premier League blocked down the years? I think it's a done deal. And I think what's going to be fascinating now is to see what direction the Newcastle new owners go in. We've heard about Maurizio Pochettino. I was sceptical about that when I first saw the link. I think he would see himself as a more elite manager than that. But if they're going to pump money in, much like happened at Manchester City, then maybe it's not such a bad fit after all. Um, the guy who's going to be the chairman is Al Rumayan. Um, and I don't think he's been asked any questions about the uh, social and political issues at Newcastle yet. Um, He said, I think beforehand, Saudi Arabia is progressing every day. The progress we are witnessing is amazing. The public um, investment fund is is very much part of the uh, Saudi Arabia state. I mean, he's even been quoted as saying before, it's the country's money, it's our name, the public investment fund, public. It's all part of a campaign, I think, by Saudi Arabia to sort of transform their economy by 2030 and give it some sort of other focus apart from oil. But um, I wonder if their procurement of Newcastle is also a little bit motivated by the ability to help influence any future broadcast deal because they are are at war with being sports. And I wonder whether or not when that deal runs out in 2023, it will be possible for the Qataris to renew it again. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. No football means not much work to do for our illustrious team of game day reporters who trek heartily up and down the country every weekend for talk sport, but are now confined to the house. So let's check in with one of them and see how they are handling their commentary confinement. Perry Groves, the uh, former Arsenal winger, usually commentates on our Premier League Saturdays. He's a big part of uh, our Saturday show on talk sport. Uh, hello, Perry. How are we doing, boys? Yeah, we're good, thank you. Um, what what have you been up to? Because uh, I know you've been working with me on a Saturday, but have you developed any new skills whilst we've been in lockdown? Well, to be fair, I mean, a lot of people are learning different languages now, aren't they? Like uh, a couple of my mates have taken a Spanish course, but I've actually used this lockdown. I've got probably, I'm qualified now in five different professions. So yeah, about, <laughs> about two Thursdays ago, nightmare, heating went off, hot water went off, had to go up into the loft, have a look at the boiler, pilot lights out. Do you know what I mean? Think, oh, no, what am I doing? So you have to flick it back to the left, wait for it. Two green lights come on, come back off. Doesn't come back on, thinking, oh, my, what am I going to do? Go to the fuse box. There's a little sign on there that says loft. that on and off. Boom. The uh, central heating's working. Hot water's on. So I am now a plumber. So if you need any washing machines, plumbed in, anything you need, tumbled dryers, I'm your man. So I think that qualifies me of being a bona fide plumber. As that. I might need someone to fit a, 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 an oven. Perry, can you do that for me? Well, the thing is, the electrics, I'm, I'm not bad, to be fair, but long as I can tell you where the plug is. And then, <laughs> and then I've now I've become, as well, one of my mates told me yesterday that uh, my email account had been hacked and he was getting spam emails from my uh, email address. So then he, I went, what do I do? He went, we have to change your um, your password. I thought, are you kidding me? I can't do I'm like a chimpanzee playing the piano. on Anything to do with computers, I'm useless. So I thought, right, what I do, I've got to go into the uh, into my hotmail, go into security, go into password, change the password, which is the first time I've done it since my original password. Oh, so now <laughs> I'm an IT consultant, right? So there's two for you. Right, not a problem. You got any, any problems with your internet? Just give us a shout. Um, my missus, Joe's a lot of, and you probably found that, guys, your, your, your girlfriends and wives, whatever, they can't go hairdressers, can they? They're done. So they can't have little tint up anymore. That's true. They're, they're, that's true. 
So, uh, Joe's and Mrs. is, um, they, I thought it was roots. It's apparently it's regrowth is the terminology. Oh, right, okay. So, you, so you used to get your roots done, didn't you? That, that yeah, used no, to be the no, phrase. You can't say that no, no more? No, no, it's regress. It's regress now. Okay. Okay, so said, I need a bit of regrowth. So she can't see the back of her barnet. So then I've got the little gloves on. I've got the little mask on because of the ammonia. I'm picking up with the handle of the comb. She's picking up little strands of hair so I can see the regrowth where it needs to be dabbed on, smashing all the gunge on. So now I'm a colorist. <laughs> There's three for you, right? <laughs> on fire. That's uh, good because I might need mine doing actually. <laughs> yeah, you are, I think you are a just for men man, Sam. I think, and I've had a look, look at that. I, don't, I think Al's going a little bit grey as well, isn't he? Uh, apparently there's a few coming through. Yeah. Um, I'll send yeah. you down some of my stuff, Crook. Don't worry about it. You might need a bit of... Remember Peter Reid? Remember the mauve? When Peter Reid went mauve? <laughs> he looked like Ronald Reagan. It was horrendous. <laughs> it's like, um, uh, I've got a gravel drive. Oh. Looking a little bit tardy. To be fair, my next door neighbour's gravel drive is perfect. It's perfect levels. We've got a couple of oil, pack, oil patches on it. So I thought, I know what I'll do. Uh, and when you've got a gravel driveway, when you pull in in your cars, the pebbles and the gravel goes to the side, so you have a surplus, like it's all in the wrong areas. So I've had to get my shovel, get the shovel, hide the toil patches, get the rake out, level it off, boom, right? So now I'm a ground worker. It looks magnificent. I, I looked back and surveyed the scene, chaps, and it was like it was like Banksy. You know when Banksy does something covert and he's just looks at he's, something he's created on the side of a bridge or whatever. It was that sort of moment, was it? It was. On, it, it, the sense of achievement was, and the two's getting on my nerves at the minute, because I've done it so well, the postman, he's got like hobnail boots on when he comes and delivers our mail. So he's taking massive hoof prints out of our drive, our gravel drive. I've got to have a word with him, actually. I need him to, <laughs> I need him to be a li little bit lighter on his loafers. My missus, Joe, she loves, loves the garden, right? Loves the garden, loves you know, like a potted plant, loves a... Uh, a potted palm or a cheeky little bay tree, right? Love is out of there. But um, but her bush has got a little bit unkempt. Oh, you can't have that, can you? <laughs> no, no, once she's out of that to go, it's gone a little bit wild uh, and, <laughs> oh, and a little bit fly away. So I've had to go out in the back garden and give her a bush a proper proper trim. And, and, and have you got quite green fingers naturally? Well, I have now. But now I'm, I think that qualified. I don't know whether to do um, like a cannon. I was like Edward Scissorhands, you know, like a cannon or a cock or something. Or... It, it, it really overgrown that badly. Yeah, really bad. I had to give it a proper trim. The bush was, a, say, was a little bit on the wild side. So um, I've had to trim it. So now I'm a toprist. Oh, and did, and you, did you have all the equipment for that? I mean, because that, that, that's a specialist specialist art form, that is. I mean, but did you, you have need, the gloves? You need a, um, a heavy-duty bush trimmer. Right, okay. Heavy-duty bush shears as well. Ah. It's a very specialised subject, yeah. So um, so now I see that I'm like Capability Brown, and more like a landscape gardener. You've had more jobs than Mr. Ben, haven't you, this last <laughs> few weeks? <laughs> but he has been kicked out of one. He has been kicked out of one. And and we haven't told him this yet, right? Okay. Well, and I know he's going to get annoyed about it. Um, we're doing a, a, a quiz and um, I've called up Crookie and Stuart Pierce, but you, you didn't make the cut. What for? We're taking on a team of Premier League footballers, Troy Deeney's team, next week. Yeah, you'll be on the phone when you get your bump smacks. Don't worry about that. I might... <laughs> For someone who's been on eggheads, I, I, I'm so offended and got two out of three. 
you yeah, but this is about football. What's your football knowledge like? Um, yeah, you've Cup... only won the title twice. <laughs> I'll tell you what, FA Cup finals from 1970 to 1980. Yeah. I'm like Stephen Hawkins. I am the nut on that. Trust me, I'll tell you, the goal scorers, the teams uh, who, who won it. Well, what, happened, I... what happened to you after 1980? Did you stop watching the FA Cup or what? Well, no, it's when you're a kid. Isn't you? I, I think it stays in your head when you're a kid from about, I'd say, nine-ish, you know what I mean? Nine through to sort of 15, 16, where you watch the FA Cup every Saturday where it's the build-up stage. It was the only live game. I mean, you two are a little bit younger than me, but it was the only proper live football game, apart from England games or World Cups. You had no league games that are live. All right, and I've got one here. I've got a DVD here from 1977. Yeah. Yeah, Liverpool. Yeah. What happened? What was the score? 2-1 May United, uh, Jimmy Case for Liverpool and Lou Macari and Stuart Pearson for Manchester United. And there was a bit of conjecture because the ball come off of the back of Lou Macari and it took a deflection. So it was whoever, whoever it was given to. He's spot on. To be oh, fair. thank you. Oh, there you go. So when we're, do, we're do, when we're doing an old person's quiz, we'll call you up. Um, cheers, Perry. Thank you very much. I might be engaged. Here <laughs> <laughs> Other stories this week include the idea that League One and Two could decide their season with a points-per-game basis. The reasoning behind it is, as Andy Holt of Accrington has said, he's the chairman, um, playing behind closed doors actually doesn't help many of the League One and League Two clubs because they rely on gate money as it is and staffing that when there's nobody there obviously is going to cost them even more money. And and, and they don't believe that Sky are going to stream, I don't know, Accrington versus Rochdale when they've got loads of Premier League and Championship football matches to put out. I think the plan... Uh, was that there will end up being playoffs in those divisions. But I think the championship will press for a conclusion. Darren McCantony, actually, the Peterborough chairman, is sort of like a lone voice here, sort of speaking out against it. He said that he would take legal action if they ended um, up canning the season. The quote actually was, owners who refuse to fulfil their fixtures will be getting their asses sued. I think he might be in a minority. Uh, I mean, I oh, yeah. broke this story for Talk Sport a few weeks ago that there are a lot of clubs, particularly in League One and League Two, who are moving towards now voiding the season so they can start to plan for the future. And I was actually speaking to the Portsmouth Chief Executive, Mark Catlin, last week. And he said, we've tried to hold a budget meeting this week, tried to budget for next season. But he said, it's absolutely impossible because they're one of the teams at the moment who are in the playoff places in League One. So therefore, if the season was to be concluded and they don't know when this season will finish, they don't know when next will start. They've got players out of contract. They've got players to go back to loan clubs. It's an absolute minefield. And for that reason, it wouldn't surprise me if this plan by League Two clubs to stop the season now actually got approval and happened. Um, They're also talking about the possibility of salary caps as well, especially in League One and Two. But Mark Catlin's actually against that, isn't he? Because he was sort of like, I want a bit more flexibility over how much a club earns. Because Portsmouth obviously get quite a lot of gate receipts, so they would have more capacity to spend on wages because they're bringing more money in from that particular route. But the idea is is that there's a £2 million cap on wages for League Two teams, £3.6 million on those in League One. Would that make the league fairer? I'm sort of inclined to agree with Mark Catlin on this one because I think there's a a common misconception that because Pompey in the past have spent above their means and we saw dramatically how that panned out with relegation from the Premier League and, and almost going bankrupt, that they're still 
frivolous spenders. Well, they're not, actually. Um, they turned a £2 million profit last year, which is almost unheard of for clubs at this present time. Mark's argument is that they rely on season ticket sales and, and bums on seats. So I think if clubs budget accordingly and, and run themselves sustainably, then they should be allowed to really implement their own wage caps because clearly Pompey's resources are going to be bigger even just based on average attendances than, say, Accrington Stanley. But a club who obviously has more people coming through the door and historically is bigger um, is going to have an advantage. And you could argue that it's more egalitarian and more equal if everybody starts from the same base and then you're actually just working out who the best coaches and players are rather than who's got the most money. And that's who gets promoted. Yeah, but this is not the NFL. You know, this is more like the Formula One model, I would say, where the you know the traditional powerhouses of the teams were more successful. And I think God, maybe so this is controversial, but I'd rather see Port- Portsmouth back in the championship than Accrington Stanley with the greatest d- respect d- in the world. Don't ditch you. Don't ditch Bayern Munich for Union Berlin. You're a you're a, you're a Bayern Munich man to the core, aren't you? That's it. you. You are. <laughs> don't, don't 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 shift. <laughs> um, Listen, I love a fairy tale as much as the next man. I was watching Chesterfield cruelly denied a place against Chelsea in the FA Cup final over over the weekend but that's that's a one hit wonder I don't want Chesterfield in the Premier League um, let's discuss Super Sunday 2022 um, I know it seems like an age away but there are plans in place for the final of Euro 2022 the women's football tournament taking place in England um, to, to conclude at five o'clock on a Sunday afternoon that will be the final the climax to three and a half weeks of brilliant football which is going to be in this country in a year after we've had Euro 2021 as it will be now um, which will also climax in this country that will be a great sort of festival of football for the women's game but it will seamlessly transist. From five o'clock, you'll have the final of the Women's Euros. And then at eight o'clock, the opening ceremony of the 2022 Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. Um, it sounds like a fantastic event. It's certainly something to look forward to. The only issue is, is that it is about two years and three months away. Well, we all need something to look forward to, don't we? But I hope we're going to have something to get us excited about on the football field long before then. But that yeah, sounds fantastic, doesn't it? And um, I think it's important at these times, these extraordinary times, to, to plan ahead and, and, and give us all something to aim at. And that will certainly be the case on that Sunday. I did see a lot of uh, discussion about players having to wear masks during football matches or during training sessions in the early start of uh, uh, football recommencing, which I thought was interesting. And I think that's probably, well, something will have to happen, I think, if, we, if we're going to get back to, to football anytime soon. There will certainly be measures in place. And we had the rebirth. Well, wasn't there a bloke at Fulham who used to wear a mask when he scored a goal? He used to whip it out of his sock, didn't he? Have I made that up? Well, what about the Wolves' top scorer, Raul Jimenez, who whips out a Mexican wrestling mask? Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang used to put on the Black Panther mask, I think, as well. So those guys are going to be massively in favour of that proposal. I mean, we could have. They'll end up wearing sponsored masks, yeah, won't they? Yeah, that would be great, though. Everyone looked like Kylo Ren uh, or a Marvel superhero uh, when they're playing football. I mean, I think that's another way of convincing kids it's a good idea to wear masks when they go outside. Just make them like superhero characters, and then they'll be like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. Something you would never let them do before. We're going to the pub. Can you put on your Kylo Ren mask? Yeah. Usually they're like, that's no. just you. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh, right, uh, we had the rebirth of the uh, Premier League interviews this week. Sort of like the whole idea is to give more access uh, uh, to the fans, to their heroes whilst in lockdown. I, I was speaking to uh, 
Billy Sharp last week. Let's dip into that interview. He's talking about commanding the troops and, and being an influence in the dressing room. He knows that his playing uh, time has been limited this year and thought that it might be, but Chris Wilder gave him extra responsibility. No, I think, I'm, I think I've been lucky as captain. Um, we, every every um, dressing room has the problems, um, you know, heated problems on the training pitch or whatever, but... Um, I think that's been a, why we've been so successful. The dressing room's been really good, and if people have disagreed with something, they've they've said their bit, but they've they've took it on on board and uh, they've tried to muck in. And if, if they haven't, then the gaffer's got rid of them players, so you can work out for yourself who who, who they are. But um, no, again, um, for me, it's been it's been quite easy. There's been tough times where I've not been in the side, but I've had to you know look in the mirror and just say you know you. You're the captain. You're not just a player now of the of the, of the team. You you're a, a leader, and uh, people are, are looking to you to set an example. So I've had to be mentally right as well. In, in especially at the uh, beginning of the season, where I wasn't really getting many minutes, but um, no, I've enjoyed every single uh, minute of of my time back at Sheffield United and. Uh, long may it continue I love the Billy Sharp story it's a great story isn't it it's uh, it's one that sort of fills you with sort of happiness the fact that you know he's been knocked down a few times and obviously he's had personal tragedies in his life but he keeps coming back and good things have happened to him and then the fact that he scored that goal and you were there against uh, Bournemouth on the uh, first few weeks of the season I mean, it was a great great tale yeah I was speaking to Ricky Lambert about him actually his former strike partner at Southampton who we're going to hear on the pod next week and, and he was really talking up Billy Sharp because it's eight years to the day next week since Saints were promoted to the Premier League and I think Billy Sharp's role in that promotion goes a bit unsung because Lambert got 31 goals but as Ricky himself told me Billy Sharp popped up with a few important ones as well and it's taken him a long time to get to the Premier League but that's been one of the fairy tale stories of, of this season really him scoring the first goal in the Premier League for his hometown club was it was a great moment to commentate. It was interesting that he actually said to me about the Southampton experience that he'd scored some important goals to get them into the Premier League and then was ditched but the manager wanted to keep him but the owner wanted to get rid of him the owner didn't want him at the club but it was a strange strange turn of events. Yeah it was really because he was a very popular lad in the dressing room as well as as, as Ricky told me so yeah I think he was a bit harshly treated but Listen, I, I guess he will have no regrets because he's ended up back at Sheffield United and it's that sliding doors moment. Perhaps if he had stayed at Southampton, he wouldn't have got the chance to score goals in the Premier League for the club he loves. OK, um, what are you doing this week? Have you got anything uh, planned? Well, I'm trying to finish this Arsenal book that I've been writing. Uh, at the moment, I'm getting snubbed by a lot of ex-players. So if Andre R. Shavin, uh, Paul Davis or Theo Walcott are listening to this podcast, please return my call and uh, get yourself in the book alongside some great legends from down the years. Good luck with that. Okay, um, we'll be back uh, next week. We've got Troy Deeney on the programme next week. Uh, I'll be back on Saturday for the Saturday sessions on Talk Sport, where we'll be uh, speaking to, amongst others, uh, Gabrielle Bonnehaw and Joel Ward. Uh, so lots to come on Talk Sport over the next few days. Keep listening, keep us safe, uh, and make sure whatever you do, uh, you just... Enjoy yourself, stay positive, and if you need someone to talk to, just start a conversation on Twitter or Instagram or something like that. I'm sure someone will get back to you. Uh, Good luck. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, 
We've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.